Have you ever done something and later realized you shouldn't have done it? So in an effort to justify yourself and hopefully save face, you say, sorry, that's not like me. A lot of times we can excuse our actions and see ourselves in a much better light than we actually are. That's why sometimes we have to just be honest with ourselves and say, no, that is you. Today, Staff Pastor Micah Butterfield is going to talk about honor in the fifth part of our series, No, That Is You. I'm excited about today. Um, this has been an awesome series. I've had the privilege of, of listening to a lot of great messages and about a lot of different things. And the cool thing is, is when we're talking about no, that is you, is it's oftentimes it's pointing right back at me and I'm saying, oh man, that is me. That is who I really am. And how many of you guys have like felt that kind of so far? Okay, good. Three of you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> we're doing a great job helping the people at Northwood. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, today, I'm going to share with something that, that's pretty passionate on my heart, um, but it's around the topic of honor. Honor's a big deal, and, and honor is a word that you might understand really well, or you might not understand at all. Um, growing up, I, I was a sports guy, and I'm still a sports guy. Just look at my foot. It's just it's what I do, but uh, I really enjoy sports. One of the sports that I played was baseball, and any baseball fans... Okay, good, good. Another three of you. <laughs> We're killing it, <laughs> killing it. Uh, grew up in Kansas City, so uh, I'm, I'm by birth and by, by God's grace a Kansas City Royal fan, and uh, they're the World Series champions. I haven't been able to say that in 30 years, so just let me, let me bask in that a little bit. But uh, if you lived in Kansas City, you're either a St. Louis Cardinals fan or a Kansas City Royals yeah. fan. It's just, it's just, are you a Royals fan? No. Oh. <laughs> You got me. It was the loud amen. I love ameners, and then it was like the false amen. <laughs> this is bad. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So growing up, uh, man, I had baseballs all around, and I'd leave baseballs out in the yard. Uh, I'd leave them in my parents' trunk. I'd, I'd leave them all over, honestly, because a baseball costs about $1.25 even still today. Not real valuable. Well, about 20 years ago, my grandfather gave me a baseball. And it was a little bit more special. It was, you got to understand, it was the same weight. It was the same shape. It was the exact same look, except for a few squiggly lines across this baseball. There was a lot of different signatures on this baseball. And this baseball is taken care of a little bit differently than the one that I throw around in the yard. This one's in a case. This one's sitting on a shelf. This one is signed by the 1985 Kansas City Royals World Series champions. You see, I look at it and I think, this is awesome. And I put a lot of time, effort, and energy into preserving that and making sure it's healthy for two different reasons, especially because my grandfather gave it to me, but then also because of the value that's on it, because of the names because of George Brett, Brett Saberhagen's names that are on this ball that makes it worth something. I keep it safe. I put value on it. I cherish it. I'd use the word it's precious to me. In essence, I honor it. I honor this thing. The word honor is a big deal and it's actually in the word of God a whole lot. 
But honor and glory are actually the two words that we see the angels uh, saying around God's throne in heaven. And in, we need to understand this, that glory only goes to God. None of us get glory, none of us want glory, to be honest with you, because none of us could handle glory. Glory is weighty, glory is almighty, glory is reserved for God, but honor is something that goes to both God and man. There's a story in the Bible about Jesus. We like to talk about Jesus a lot at church. I think that's a good thing to do at church. That's healthy. Some people say, you guys talk about Jesus too much. Do something else. And it's like, what do you do? So we're going to talk about Jesus a little bit today in a story that's taking place in, in Nazareth, actually. Now, Nazareth is Jesus' hometown. It's not his birthplace, but it's where he grew up. And we see the scriptures, and you'll be able to follow on the screen with me, but it's in Mark chapter 6. It says this. It says, Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. It says, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. I mean, th their minds were blown with the things that he was saying, the things that he was doing. It's, and people started to say, where did this guy get these things? Like, this is incredible. It says, what's this wisdom that's been given to him? And he can even do miracles. I mean, they, they were amazed by this. But then one guy in his hometown looked at him and looked at him a little bit closer. He put his glasses on. He says, hey, isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? You remember when his daddy was, his daddy was Joseph. Man, they're the people that built the furniture they're the people who we went to the Black Friday sale at their place and bought. And we yelled at them because they're big, long lines. They were like, that's the carpenter's son. His brother's Joseph and Simon, Judas. They're like, dude, that's just, they said, aren't his sisters right here with us? It says this, and they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, and among his relatives in his own house is a prophet without honor. This word without honor or this phraseology of without honor is actually a Greek word. The Greek word is atimos. Everybody say it. One, two, three. Atimos. You guys are really good. Atimos. And what it means is it means to treat as ordinary or to treat as common or without value. It's, they were treating him like the baseball that you throw around in the yard. It was normal. It was $1.25. It was just the same old thing. When with the kind of honor that we want to talk about and that we want to, to be today, the Greek word is this. It's, it's Timé. Now, that one's really fun to say. It's like, Timé, Timé, one, two, three. Timé. You got to understand. In Long Beach, the most people that we can fit in a room is 200 people. And that's why we have multiple services. But it's really cool to hear about 500 people say things. It's a little bit louder. And you guys like have this inflection. I, I'm convinced that 15 minutes apart, you've got a different southern drawl than the people in Long Beach. <laughs> Go to Wiggins. <laughs> Amen. If you're watching from Wiggins online, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> like, Tim A. Tim A. Understand this, a lot of times we, we, we pick words, we, we make our own synonyms, so to say. We say, oh, honor is like respect, or, and some of you already said that, and you're thinking, do I respect people? Do I, do I respect them? And the truth is, honor and respect are very, very different. You see, respect is earned, 
while honor is given. Think of someone that you respect. Think about them. Picture them in your head, and why do you respect them? It's because of something they've done for you. It's because of who they are for you or, or some, a place that they've held in your life. Honor is totally different. Honor is, in essence, it's something that we have available to give. It's something that we're like, it's, it's readily available to give to someone while respect says, no, you better come get it. You better come get this thing and then you'll get my respect. You see, respect is earned. Honor is given. So the very next verse in that story in Mark chapter six, after Jesus said, man, in his own hometown is a prophet without his honor, it says this, Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And it says that he was amazed at the lack of their faith in the truth of the matter is because there was no honor to Jesus Christ. It handcuffed Jesus himself. We think, oh, you could do anything. Honor is a very powerful thing, and when we use it, when we, when, we, when we do what the Word of God says for us to do with honor, is I believe that we can see miracles take place. I believe that God will open the doors of heaven, but honor is one of those things that we must work on because the truth is lack of honor and faith limited what Jesus did. So think about me, do I honor people? Here's, here's a quick litmus test for you. Honor lifts people up, dishonor tears down. You all know it, you all had friends like that in school. It was the person, that the only way they could look better than you was to make you look really bad. Honor lifts people up, honor lifts things up, dishonor tears down. Honor values, honor in cases, it puts on a shelf, it, it respects, dishonor devalues. Dishonor tears down while honor builds up. So who are we called to honor? This is where I want to spend all of my time today. Who are we called to honor? And it's really nice when we can walk away saying, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And my prayer in coming here today was that God would speak to each and every single one of you in some way, shape, or form that says, okay, this is an area that I can work on. The first one is this, and honestly, this might be the easiest one and the least argumentative, but the first one that we're called to honor is God. Would you agree with me? How many of you say, no way, I'm not honoring God today? No hands. You guys are getting much better. <laughs> Think about it. God, glorious, almighty, prince of peace, all-knowing. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many hairs used to be on your head. How do we honor God? How do we honor God? We, we pray, we connect to him, we, we have relationship with him. A way that we honor God is through worship. You know, here at Northwood, we have a culture of worship. It's really, it's just, it's something that we're known for, which I think is incredible. It's, it's kind of just who we are. We're a worship-filled church. When we worship, when we sing songs of praise, when when whatever is in us starts to flow out of us, something really special happens. That's how we can be in a worship service or we can be singing songs of praise to God. And it's just like 
Nothing else matters. Have you ever experienced that? I was just standing over there a little bit ago and we were singing that third song and guess what was in my head? Nothing except God. I was thinking, this is incredible. We're in the presence of God. I'm excited to be here. I wasn't thinking about what took place because what took place didn't matter. I wasn't thinking that my foot hurts a little bit because it just doesn't matter. Everything becomes minute when it's in the presence of the Almighty. And when we honor God, when we honor God with our worship, with whatever's inside of us, something takes place. I believe this, that honor is the gravity of heaven. Think about it. Heaven is predicated on who God is, the position that he holds. When we honor that, that means we respect it, we acknowledge it, and everything that we do is filtered through that lens saying, this is who he is, this is who I am. When we're in a worship service, that's what makes worship so powerful is that, that the creator, the all-knowing, the everything, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, he is here with us and he cares about us, he's with us. Something I've noticed as a pastor in Long Beach, in Gulfport, in Wiggins, is a phenomenon, and it happens all across the nation, actually. Our services start at 9.30 and 11.15. And man, it's exciting, and, and if you haven't figured out yet, we really start at 9.30. It's not like, eh, they say 9.30, but it's really 9.45. 9.30 comes, and worship will start, and we, we, we engage the presence of God. That's, that's what we're going for. We're not just trying to play some games or, or warm up the audience, but man, we believe that God comes into the room with us. So we come here, and we come and expect, and I, I, we look around, I look in the room, and I see you know half of an auditorium full of people here. And after the second song, the room is full of people. Now, don't get into condemnation here, but here's what's taking place. It's not that my family is tough to get ready in the morning, so I, I come late. It's not that, oh, man, I, I couldn't feed my kids, so I had to go get some food, and I just had to drive to McDonald's. The line was long, and I just got stuck in the drive-thru. The problem is not any of the things that we try to fill the blank in with. The problem is we have a lack for honoring God. You see, my wife, seven years ago, gave me a gift for, for a birthday. And it was a ticket to an NBA game. She gave it to me. What I did, I saw this ticket and I got really excited. I went to my calendar and I circled the date. I said, this is coming. I went to my boss and I said, I need half a day off. He said, why? I said, because I'm going to a basketball game and I'm excited. The game started at seven o'clock. The truth is I, our office closed at 4.30. I could have drove to New Orleans quickly, but I was so excited about experiencing whatever was going to take place that I took half a day off. I got ready. Man, I researched the game that was gonna be taking place. I got the jersey, I was ready to do it. I showed up, we left at noon. I got to New Orleans at one. Man, we parked a mile away because, I parked a mile away because it's so expensive to park. But I knew it was gonna be, so I planned ahead. I got to the arena at two and I waited outside and I was thinking, this is awesome. I can't wait. My wife's saying, why are we here so early? The moment the doors opened at four, I went in. 
decked out as a fan for the opposite team, by the way, because that's who I am. <laughs> and I'm watching them practice. I was so excited about what was going to take place. I was watching them practice. I was watching them get ready. I was screaming their name. I'm like, Paul Pierce, it's Micah. <laughs> you see me? And I scream so loud that I get their attention. I'm there two and a half hours early. Why? Because I'm expecting something great. I'm expecting something that's going to impact my life. I can't wait to be there because it's who I am by nature. I love sports. I love basketball. It's who I am. How much more as a Christian should we be saying, I cannot wait to be in the presence of God. I cannot wait to be face to face with God. I can't wait for that countdown to end so I can say, here we go. The alternative to honoring God is dishonoring God. There is no in-between. We need to honor God. The second that we need to honor is our parents. Exodus chapter 20 says this, honor your father and your mother so you can live a long time. And we think about that, and sometimes I threaten my kids with that. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> you better honor me. I can make life really short, you know what I mean? <laughs> and this is typically where we insert a, a, a shot at students, and I don't want to do that. Because we should say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you, that kind of thing. That's a big deal. But if honor ends at the end of adolescence, then we've missed it completely. You see, honor is something that should continually be flowing through us for our parents. You know, two of my parents are here, and I honor you guys because of, of the life that you live, because you've lived a long time, and you might not be as, as fiery as you once were. You need to understand that you've done an outstanding job at raising your kids, at loving each other, but then at living life, and I appreciate that. Two of my parents, yeah, you can give it up for them. Two of my parents serve uh, at our Long Beach location. They're part of the launch, and, and that right now they're, well, they're about to be teaching growth track in a room, which is really fun also. I've been blessed, me and my wife have been blessed because we have parents that are easy to honor. What takes place when your parents aren't easy to honor? You need to honor. I was talking with a young lady whose mother passed away this week. And she, she's part of our church, and I was talking to her, and she said, my mom, she said she really, she wasn't the best. She did a lot of bad things. She said, but you know what? She's my mom. And she said, I just wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to be around her. And you know what? She said that while she was laying there in her hospital and she was holding her hand, she said she just whispered to her, I just want you to know, Mom, that I care about you, that I love you that I appreciate everything that you've done for me. You see, honor is not, honor looks past the person and it looks at the position. You gotta look past situations sometimes. You need to forgive sometimes. You need to endure sometimes. You need to forbear sometimes because people and parents aren't always honorable, but you can always honor. As they age, just to let you know, honor is oftentimes spelt time. That's how you do it. I drive down O'Neill Road frequently and I watch a gentleman honor his wife as she's aged. She, she's on a walker and she has a very long driveway. 
and he walks beside her as she wheels along step by step. He's honoring his mom. Honor. The third group that we need to honor is those that are in authority. Romans 13 says this, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. You know, I've heard this saying, faith isn't faith until it's tested. Well, I believe honor isn't honor until it's tested because it's easy to honor when everything is a-okay. It's easy to honor when those in authority are saying, man, everything's good. It's easy to honor when your boss is giving you a raise. It's not easy to honor when they give the other person a raise and you haven't had a raise in five years. You see, honor is a tricky topic. And we see it being tricky all throughout humanity, but we see it in the scriptures as well in 1 Peter. And it says this, uh, this is Peter himself addressing the church, and he said, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and, and we're freeze there. You read ahead, it's underlined because that's the big deal, but stop right there because this is the part, he was in church, he was telling him, he's saying, everybody, love the family of believers, and everyone's like, yeah! Fear God, yeah! Show proper respect to everybody, yeah! And then it goes, honor the emperor, and The emperor was a man named Nero. Nero was a nasty, nasty man. You read stories about Nero and he hated Christians. He didn't go to church. He didn't even say that he went to church. Nero is known for going on his dates with his girlfriends and his concubines and everything in between and he would stroll them around his, his garden, his kingdom and he'd stroll them through on his carriage and this was his idea of romanticizing his girlfriends as they'd stroll around in a carriage and everywhere that they went uh, because it was dark and you know, you know at nighttime it's more romantic so that's when you go on a, a carriage ride but it says that the lights were made up of Christians that were impaled that were lit on fire and those were the lamps. And Peter is saying, honor him. Honor Nero. You see, we should honor our president regardless of whether we stand with every single thing that he stands for. Guess what, you should honor whoever the president is, whether they're a donkey or an elephant. It doesn't matter, you see, honor looks past the person to the position. The secret to honor is looking at the position over that person. You can honor without agreeing. I think that's a big deal because sometimes we think honor just means you have to do whatever said. You just gotta go with the flow. No, you can honor without agreeing. There's some simple ways to honor just so you know. And, and it, it sounds so shallow to a sense is, is modifying and curtailing the things that we say publicly. Um, Facebook is a, is a funny, funny, funny thing. I don't think it's good for Christians to publicly hate on those that are in political authority. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because it's what the word of God says. It's not preference and we need to get past this. We can't attack people because guess what? Jesus died for them just as much as he did for the person that's sitting on the front seat lifting their hands in worship. So honor those that are in authority. 
Honor teachers, honor coaches, honor the boss. And what that means sometimes is when the teacher calls and says your son or your daughter did this, you don't say, oh no, they didn't. You're crazy. You're crazy. You say, Sam would have never done that. He doesn't do that. I got a call from a teacher for my youngest. My first two were easy in school. They're quiet. They're sweet. And then I've got a man child, a son, in kindergarten. And, and he is, he's been a blessing. <laughs> got a call from his teacher and said, Mr. Butterfield. Actually, he's talking to mom because most men are scared to talk to teachers. Talked to my wife and said, yeah, I just want to talk for a minute about Sam. You know it's never going to be good when the teacher calls you. Let's be honest. <laughs> I just want to let you know of a couple things going on. Is it okay? Sam likes to talk a lot. He likes to dance a lot during school. I understand. That's how I am, too. I talk, I dance, I jump up, I do that kind of thing. We're expressive. They said, the other day, though, he got a Sharpie, and he wrote his name on my desk. <laughs> that part of me kind of laughed, like you guys are. like, eh, save it it's gonna be worth some money one day you know what I mean but uh, <laughs> the ripple effect joke that was awesome I want to preach here always you guys laugh a lot but um here's what we did we said Miss Sheffield I'm so sorry we're gonna take care of that can we can we replace that can we fix that we're gonna have a conversation with Samuel about what he's done. And now, understand this, he's five. Sharpie conversations are much easier than conversations that'll come later, but we have to have the conversations early to get ready for the conversations that take place later. Honor teachers, honor coaches. If your kid's not good enough to start, it's okay. No, seriously, it's okay. Some of us aren't great at sports like me. Okay. I had a friend say this one time, and it's just rattled me to the core all the time, but it says, it says before you can ever be a great number one, before you can ever be a great leader, you've got to be an outstanding number two. I think we need to honor those that are in authority. Two more. You guys are hanging on. I appreciate it. The next group we need to honor is our pastors and our church leaders. 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Can I just say this? Nobody, nobody talks bad about my pastor in front of me. Nobody talks bad about my church in front of me. I, I defend the home court. I defend my pastor. I protect. I honor. If people try to talk behind closed doors, and I say, whoa, no, that's not right. Why? Because I know my pastor's heart. My pastor and the pastoral staff, just to let you know, there's two things that you've got really going for you with the pastors here. They love God, which that's really good, just to let you know, that's a good one. And they love people. And if I know that, then that could be a great filter for me in conversation with other people. You see, what happened is years ago, people used to, to really attack the church and say, this church is crazy. Man, this is, this is a cult, this is demonic. They like to handle snakes. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I'm scared of them, but here's what I do because I have a responsibility as a man. When a snake comes onto my territory, I kill it. I don't care if it's a good snake. I don't care if it's a bad snake. I get the shovel and I kill it. And then I do like what Nero did. I go put it on a pail and let all the other snakes know. 
We don't handle snakes, but what's happened over the course of years is no one says that anymore, but places people might say, and it's just people that, that don't know any better, but they say, oh, this place, it's not even a church. It's just a rock concert. Guys, sometimes you can't win, but here's our responsibility is to say, no, 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 you don't understand. We love people. We love God. We love to celebrate that. We love to champion that. Everything that we do goes around that. A great way that you can honor your pastors and your church leaders is to love God and is to love people. And the greatest way that you can do that is to get people along the ride with you. Your small groups that are launching here right now can be so explosive. You would say, you know what? Small groups aren't just about me. It's about the person that I work with. It's about the student that I go to school with. It's about the neighbor down the road. It's about the family member. And when you honor God and honor the house of God, it says, you know what? This isn't just for me. This is for so many more. Honor God. Honor your pastors. Honor your church leaders. One of the things I love about our church is that we're one church in multiple locations. I say this every Sunday from the pulpit in Long Beach. Long Beach. We are better together than we are separately. We are. That means no location is better than another. It means that every one of our locations hold vital importance to the success of our church. I love that our pastors have been rotating because you know what? Everyone gets to hear a little bit of everybody. Why? Because we're better together than we are separately. I was on Instagram the other day and I watched this post from the youth culture world and, and in every circle there's like celebrities. We call them celebrities, church celebrities. And it's like the guys that got really big youth groups and all of this stuff. And this, this church posted a picture of a bunch of different youth pastors that have giant youth groups. And it said, which one of these youth pastors are your favorite? And I was looking at that and I started reading the comments. And so many people were saying, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And all I could think about was all of these teenagers, all of these people that are saying, this guy's my favorite. They're part of another youth group and their youth pastors sing this. So being me, I got on and I said, you know what? At Stephen DeFazio is my favorite youth pastor. Why? Why? Honestly, because it's true. Because I am him, he is me, because I know his heart, because I... I I know the DNA. I love that Stephen's our youth pastor here at Northwood Church. Just to let you know, who? Who's that? Guys, it's honoring the house. And you know what honor does? I can tell you what honor does. It becomes a multiplier. When you honor your pastors, when you honor your church leaders, it's like wind beneath their wings. Man, anything can work when there's honor present. And then the final one is this. We need to honor everyone. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> We need to honor everyone. You need to honor your spouse. First Peter says this, likewise husbands, live with your wives in, under, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I have read that so many times, but until the very end, I didn't see the end that says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Is that saying that if I don't honor my wife, that my prayers might be hindered? Guys, honor your wife. Stop cheating on your wife. Stop, stop giving everything you have to every single person besides her, besides your family. You see, your greatest ministry is your house. 
Women, honor your husband. Honor your husband. Honor your children. The scripture says, Father, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You see, that is honor. Honor isn't just, hey, good job, everything's cool. Sometimes honor is discipline. Why? Because that straightens the path. My goal as a parent is to launch my kids into adulthood as successes. I don't want to just be their friends at their house and lose their souls in eternity. You got to bring discipline. You got to bring instruction because one day you you're going to go to heaven. I want to have my kids, my family, my wife, everybody around with me. So you need to honor your spouse. You need to honor your children. And then we need to honor each other. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That means inside this place, it should be full of honor. Like we should be respecting. We should be serving each other so well it's like, no, 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 let me get the door for you. No, you get the door for me. I'm going to get the door for you. Like, we, can't, we won't get anything done because we're just honoring each other so much. <laughs> this should be the safest place that humanity can come into. It doesn't matter if you're far from God. This is a place that loves you, that wants to show you God. It doesn't matter if you've loved God for decades. You're here. It's fresh. There's people that can't wait to be around you. See, this is a house of honor. When we honor God, we'll honor his people because his name is on them. Staying with the theme of sports and baseball, how many of you ever heard of Babe Ruth? Good. Four. <laughs> Babe Ruth is legendary, larger than life. Played a very long time ago and because of his successful history as well as his playing style and teams he played for, uh, he's very valuable. It's, it's said to be that he autographed seven home run bats that he, that he had and then the first one would obviously be probably the most valuable. It's believed that he gave the first home run bat that was signed to who would have been his agent today. The man encased it, put it on a shelf, loved it, enjoyed it. Everybody that came to his house, he'd be like, check this out, check this out. This is incredible. He'd show it, he'd tell everybody about it. He lived a long time. He actually outlived all of his family, this man that had this bat. And he gets to the end of his life and he realizes that he doesn't have anyone to give this bat to that's close to him, that's his family. So he gives it to his nurse that's been taking care of him for a long time. His nurse is not a baseball fan, doesn't know a whole lot, but everybody's heard of Babe Ruth. She doesn't display it quite as much. She throws it under her bed and leaves it there for about 15, 16 years. Going through life, uh, just like a lot of you, she has this dream that's inside of her, but she can't ever fulfill it because she doesn't have any money to fulfill this dream that she has. She runs into some financial difficulties as well, and just that bright idea comes into her mind and says, what about that bat that I threw under the bed? Pulls it out, goes to an auctioneer, gets some things authenticated, gets everything taken care of. She puts it up on auction and she says, I wonder what this can bring. In 2006, the bat sold for $1.3 million. It's enough to open the restaurant, the dream that she had deep inside of her. But guess what? There was a whole lot more money left over. She didn't know what to do with it. She thought about it. She, if this was a spiritual, I'd say she prayed about it, but I don't really know. She took that extra money and she started an organization, a, a charity, 
to help kids that Babe wanted to help at the end of his life. When she was opening this charity, this nonprofit, the news came because there was a lot of money involved. They came and they asked her this question. They said, why did you do this with all of your money? And she said this. She said the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. So the only reasonable thing that I could do was something that would honor his life because he made it valuable. You're valuable because of what Jesus did for you. So the only reasonable response with our life is to live a life that would honor him, that would honor people, his creation. So what's the payoff? Long life, we see that in scripture. It says when you honor, that you're gonna have a long life. The truth is when you live a life that honors people, people are just going to like you. Just, you're gonna be a likable person. But that's nothing compared to what John tells us the payoff is. It says anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and this is it, church. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. That means when this is all said and done, when you live a life that's abandoned to Jesus, that one day, church, and you've got to picture this with me, you're going to be face to face with God. And he's going to honor you. This is what it's all about. Why do we honor? Why do we live a life like this? Because God said to. Because God's going to bring return on our minor investment in honor. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I know we covered a, a lot today. A lot of different areas and a lot of different stories. We laughed a lot, but I believe in the midst of everything that there was one constant theme, and that theme is Jesus. And right now, I want to pray for those of you in this room that are saying, you know what, honor has been something that's been lack in my life. If you are here and you're saying honoring God is just something that, that I've been lacking, I pray that God would, would not just convict you, but God would birth change in you. Now, change requires action, but that God would do his part and bring conviction. And God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that your people would be strong enough to instigate change in the areas that they've been ministered to today. God, whether it be about you, whether it be about parents, whether it be about authority, pastors, family, or everybody, God, that you would speak to us today, convict us in this area. God, that we might be different because we wanna be great reflectors of you. God, we want people to see Jesus we want to see people, people see the loving God that you are towards us. We want people to see that through us. And God, I pray for the people inside this room right now that say, before I can ever take care of the things that we talked about, I've got to get the first thing in place. Maybe you've come here many times. Maybe this is your first time at church. But you're saying today is a day that I need to make a decision I need to make a life change. Today's the day that I need to give my life to Jesus. With every head bowed, 
And with every eye closed, if that's you in this room, I just want you to slip your hand up and you can put it down. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 People all over the room. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. People all over saying, today is the day that I'm going to honor God with my life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Just respond to him. It's okay. This is your moment. This is what it's all about. God said, I care about you. Respond to him today if that's you. Thank you. God, I thank you. God, that you don't leave us alone in the mess that we've created, but God, that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. So God, I pray right now, and those of you that raised your hand or maybe inside, you're raising your hand, you're saying this is what it's all about. I want you to agree in your heart with me as I pray this. God, right now, I'm giving you my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. God, you loved me so much that you wouldn't leave me alone in my brokenness, but you said, I'm giving you my very best. So right now I receive Jesus into my life. I repent of those things that I've done, either knowingly or unknowingly. I repent of all those things. And God, I give you my life. I give you all of me, all the good things, all the bad things. God, everything that I am right now belongs to you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And now, God, I'm committing my life to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, church, would you give it up for those? This is awesome. Church, this is what it's all about. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.